This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. To the Freedom Hut, we've got our friend Sean Davis, co-founder of the Federalist, with us now. Go to thefederalist.com for all of his latest. Sean, great to have you. Thanks for having me, Buck. Sean, I mean, I've been talking about it a lot, but it's it's the dominant story of the day, and there's a ton of threads that all come together with it, and people are. Very passionate in their opinions on it. I got to get you to tell me what are your main thoughts, takeaways, conclusions, etc. on the whole Flynn fiasco. That's a good question. I think my main takeaway is, uh, as it usually is, how the press is handling this. Because I have a whole bunch of questions about a lot of the accusations that have been going around, how they've been verified, how they've been corroborated. Um, and I have a lot of questions about the motivations behind the people uh, pushing a lot of the leaks. Uh, and then I, I also am concerned about uh, the apparent power that we're giving to a bunch of unelected bureaucrats to just willy-nilly disclose classified information to the press, um, just so long as it's, it's in service of taking out someone they don't like. So to me, the whole Flynn story is not about Flynn. Uh, he's one guy. Um, I honestly don't know enough about him to even have an opinion on him. Um, this story is so much bigger than him, and yet nobody in the media is actually asking the questions uh, about why this thing is so important. I, I, gotta, I gotta wonder. I mean, at what point do people start to say, "Hold on a second, the story, the, 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 what we're supposed to believe that the Obama White House, in the very last weeks of the administration, was so concerned about this phone call and that Flynn would be blackmailed by the Russians with the phone call that they had to go forth and release the information to the press illegally, I might add, themselves, while also conducting a DOJ review of all of this. I mean, it just, I feel like the the, the partisanship here is mind-blowingly obvious, but now we're all supposed to sit around and say, oh, well, America has averted some national security crisis because Mike Flynn is no longer national security advisor. I just don't buy it. Well, the lesson that I've learned from the past couple months is you can't trust anything. You can't trust the way the press characterizes quotes. They do it dishonestly. They cut the quote in half. Um, they, they attribute it incorrectly. And, and that's with, like, public statements from people where you can go and watch what they actually said or read an actual quote. 
Now, that concern is magnified when we're dealing with transcripts of calls that are being characterized by anonymous former Obama administration officials. Now, why on earth would I assume that those characterizations are accurate? Um, so when, you know, Trump is accused of saying something, I go and actually look at the transcripts and look what he said. But interestingly enough, we don't know what these transcripts about these phone calls actually say. Now, they've been bandied about for weeks, if not months. But it's odd to me that an intel community that has them uh, and an intel community that has said they're so devastating and horrifying won't actually release them. I, I would like to read what's on them because I'll tell you what, I don't think the actual content of them uh, is all that consistent with, with what we're being told about them. But do you, do you think that Flynn should – do you think that it was smart for him to step down? Was it the right thing to do? Did, did this – because I've been saying – for me, uh, looking at this from the outside, and you make an, an essential point here. This is all ba- so much of this is based on unnamed sourcing, uh, the the amount of information that's out there that claim that must have very direct access for it to be true, but we never get to know where it comes from. I know journalists, oh, I'm protecting my sources. At some point, I think somebody should come out and say, I'm I'm the one who's putting. You know, especially if we're talking about what's going on at the upper reaches of the White House. I mean, really, nobody will come out and say that they're the one. Okay, so I so they can just print whatever they want. They're printing stories about how the White House staff can't turn the light, literally can't turn the lights on in the room, that there's disarray, that and there's no way to disprove all this stuff. Uh, but when I, when I look at this, I think to myself and I say, okay, so what exactly then is the benefit to the American people of knowing all of this stuff? I mean, at some point, telling us all that the NSC is in disarray, that everything disarray, everything is terrible. It seems to me like there's they're they're going beyond just the facts and really trying to craft a narrative that undermines the executive branch of the United States government. That that's what I see happening. I, I don't see this as they're just letting us know what's going on day to day. Right, well, because they're not letting us know what's going on. Let us see the transcripts. Um, and, and, you know, you asked should should he have resigned or should he have been fired. I honestly don't know because I don't know the facts. And the people writing these stories don't know the facts. I would, I would love to read what he actually said. Um, and I would love to compare it with his characterizations of what he said to see if they match or see if they don't. I suspect um, that the actual transcripts tell a very different story than what Obama's former Intel brass, who spent eight years screwing up everything they touch, have told to the press. And, and you know, if I... If I'm being honest here, I look at all this and I say, you know what, I don't buy all this, you know, sudden Russian worry uh, from the so-called intelligence community because I saw what happened over the last eight years. I saw Obama make fun of Romney for, in 2012 uh, for saying Russia was America's number one geopolitical foe. I saw the Obama administration greenlight Russia's purchase of 20 percent of American uranium reserves uh, in a purchase that just happened to benefit a top dollar uh, eight-figure Clinton Foundation donor. I don't recall the Russia worry uh, when Russia was breaking ground on new nuclear plants in Iran. And I don't recall any of this Russia worry or these Russia-related leaks uh, from the intel community when Russia was uh, literally selling uranium to Iran. But they did nothing when the Obama administration was empowering through the Iran nuclear deal, Russia's top buyer uh, in the Middle East. So you'll have to you'll have to forgive me for being a little bit skeptical at this sudden worry from the uh, the intel community that Russia is taking over the world and we're not doing anything to stop it. Shamont, do you do we have the clip of uh, Representative Cummings talking about the how we need to look into the uh, illicit communications? Can we play that? 
Play it, please. The Pentagon is in investigating this, and we may hear back from them this week. <laughs> Flynn was secretly communicating with Republican, with Russian officials, at the same time Russia was attacking our democracy. Let me say that again. Flynn was secretly communicating with Russian officials at the same time that Russia was attacking our democracy. Flynn may have violated the Logan Act by discussing the sanctions imposed by the United States in response to Russia's attacks. We have no idea why Flynn was doing all of this and why he was trying desperately to help Russia. And I know he's now... Uh, okay, hold on, stop. Uh, I mean, really, that, that, that last statement there is what I really want to focus on. He really just said we have no idea. The, the, the reporting right now on we're trying to find out there's an investigation I've been told or I'm going to theorize that Flynn is a Kremlin agent is all over the place. At what point does that become irresponsible? I'm still waiting for someone to explain to me why he was in the why he's in the pocket of Russia and he's a Kremlin agent of influence because that's the way this is being not just reported you got members of Congress who are insinuating that that's going on that there needs to be a criminal investigation of this guy I mean there it's not enough Sean to to get him marched out of office they want to march him into a prison cell oh it gets better during that same conference uh, Elijah Cummings uh, um quoted a fake tweet from Flynn that the New York Times had erroneously reported as coming from him. It's actually from a, a fake account spoofing him. And Cummings, in that same news conference, repeated it. So uh, I find it fascinating. That, that whole thing from him was fake news. Uh, my goodness. Uh, it, it's a real mystery to figure out why an incoming national security advisor might be talking to other foreign officials prior to coming into his office. Uh, remember that Prior to Obama being inaugurated, he sent an entire team of people to Syria to meet with Bashar Assad. So it, it, Elijah Cummings is the, the farthest thing from being a reliable narrator in Washington, as I think you can find. This is a guy who spent years stonewalling uh, for Lois Freaking Lerner, uh, the woman who deliberately and personally targeted conservative nonprofits uh, for persecution. So it, there's a lot going on here, and apparent, uh, unfortunately, America's news media establishment is completely unfit to actually unravel what's going on. It's so much bigger than Flynn. It's not really about Russia. It's about you know whether Trump is going to be able to, as the duly elected American president, institute his own foreign policy vision, specifically whether the deep state, uh, a, a collection of unaccountable bureaucrats who have pretty much screwed up everything they've touched over the last 15 years, uh, they don't want him to undo the Iran nuclear deal. It was the centerpiece of Obama's foreign policy. It was the center of gravity. Everything else was pulled into its orbit. And I quite frankly think they're just terrified at the prospect of Trump undoing it. Sean, stay with us for a second here. I just want to play. We've got the briefing, White House briefing right now with Sean Spicer. Uh, pick up the audio, please, Shamont. Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control, OFAC, labeled the Venezuelan vice president as a specially designated narcotics trafficker under the Kingpin Act. Uh, before I continue with the briefing and look forward to your questions, uh, I want to turn it over for a short time to newly minted Secretary of the Treasury Stephen Mnuchin to take uh, to issue. All right, you know what? We're going to come back to this because we don't the Mnuchin Secretary stuff. Mnuchin. Yeah, this is not what everybody's going to want to talk about. Sean Davis of the Federalist is going to stay with us. Uh, actually, Sean, do you mind? Can you say this to the break? I'm just I'm, I'm offering you up. Uh, we'll be course, we'll be back to. on the. 
Great. Sean Davis of The Federalist, everybody. We'll be back on the other side. We'll play a little press conference, and we'll talk about it. Be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show only on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, we got Sean Spicer telling us right now why Flynn got fired. We got Sean Davis of The Federalist with us, but let's go to the audio. Department of Justice notified the White House counsel of the situation. The White House counsel briefed the president and a small group of the senior advisors. The White House counsel reviewed and determined that, that there is not an illegal issue, but rather a trust issue. During this process, it's important to note that the President did not have his Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, who he trusts immensely, approved by the Senate. When the President heard the information as presented by White House Counsel, he instinctively thought that General General Flynn did not do anything wrong, and the White House Counsel's review corroborated that. It is not ordinary for an incoming National Security Advisor to speak with his counterparts about the issues of concern to them. In fact, he spoke with over 30 of his counterparts throughout the transition. As Charles Krauthammer said last night, it is, quote, perfectly reasonable for him to do so. The issue here was that the president got to the point where General Flynn's relationship misleading the vice president and others, or the possibility that he had forgotten critical details of this important conversation, had created a critical mass and an unsustainable situation. That's why the president decided to ask for his resignation, and he got it. The irony of this entire situation is that the President has been incredibly tough on Russia. He continues to raise the issue of Crimea, which the previous administration had allowed to be seized by Russia. His ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, stood before the UN Security Council on her first day and strongly denounced the Russian occupation of Crimea. As Ambassador Haley said at the time, the, quote, dire situation in eastern Ukraine is one that demands clear and strong condemnation of Russian actions. President Trump has made it very clear that he expects the Russian government to de-escalate violence in the Ukraine and return Crimea. At the same time, he fully expects to and wants to be able to get along with Russia, unlike previous administrations, so that we can solve many problems together facing the world, such as the threat of ISIS and terrorism. The President is currently evaluating a group of very strong candidates that will be considered to fill the National Security Advisor position permanently and is confident in the ability of General Kellogg, a decorated and distinguished veteran of the United States Army, until that person is ultimately chosen. 
Before I get into the President's schedule for today, a quick recap of the President's activity over the last few days since we haven't had the honor of sharing so much time together. The President's been keeping a close eye on the Orville Dam situation in California. Okay, all right, we can go. Sean, what do, you, what do you think? So it looks like we've been told now officially that Flynn's resignation was asked for. It is a trust issue, they say, not a Russia connection issue, blackmail issue, or criminal issue. Your thoughts, sir? So before all this happened, there were basically kind of three different types of problems that Flynn presented to the White House. So one would be the legal problem. Did he do something illegal? Did he do something wrong that he was going to get the whole administration in trouble for? The, the second issue is the political one. Is he creating a big political distraction, regardless of what he said or did or its propriety? Uh, and the distraction is so much that he just can't hang around anymore. And then the third one would be the reason that they uh, that Spicer cited was an internal trust thing. They didn't think he'd been totally forthcoming, therefore trust had been broken. He needed to go. Uh, that's hard for us to comment on. Uh, we don't know what the relationship was like between uh, Trump and Kelly or Trump and anyone else on the staff. Um, but it, but if at any point a uh, president feels as though he can't trust his advisors, then they have to go regardless of whether uh, the other two issues are salient or not. And so this this all lines up. What's with Elijah Cummings and others who are making it sound like uh, you know, they want to restart the Cold War and, and hold all these committee and commission hearings over Russian penetration of the United States government. I, I'm, I'm still waiting for that. Everyone talks about that. I never see that. What I see here is Flynn made the vice president look stupid. Vice president and his team are like, this guy can't be trusted. We want him out. And Trump is like, you're out. I, I, I still don't see why this is an issue of uh, and by the way, I also don't buy at all the, the blackmail aspect of this. As I said, this comes from Sally Yates, who is clearly a partisan, wouldn't enforce the executive order under the Trump administration. And she went to the White House and said, oh, we're worried he's going to be blackmailed. You don't blackmail somebody by saying, but, but the, the Russians aren't going to blackmail you by saying, well, if you don't do our bidding, we're going to tell the world that you may have violated the Logan Act. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think Elijah Cummings is a, re- a reliable narrator, and I certainly don't think Sally Yates at Deputy AG is a reliable narrator, nor is she a, a magical expert on counterespionage. I, 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 it's just so uh, uh, incredible to actually believe that. But it, it's pretty simple to understand what the Democrats are doing. They are waging an all-out war against Trump in an effort to delegitimize him and uh, soften him up in 2018 and then take him out in 2020. That, that is 100% what this is. It is purely political. They found, after the, the WikiLeaks stuff and the hacking of Podesta or the fishing of Podesta, an explanation for why Trump won. Because remember, they can't accept that Hillary just lost because she was a crappy candidate who ran a crappy campaign. No, it, there has to be some nefarious reason. So the whole Russian thing is actually gives them everything they want. It gives them an explanation for why they lost and why Trump beat them so soundly. And it gives them a path forward, something to smack them around with uh, until he finally cries uncle or loses. So it's perfect for them. They're not going to stop. They're certainly not going to stop peddling fake news. In fact, today was the confluence of like everything awful that's been happening in the media Democrat sphere over the last couple months. We, we have fear-mongering lies, fake news, and blatant political pandering all in one story. It's perfect. I do have to say that the notion that they would replace, uh, that they would re- re- replace Flynn with Petraeus 
I have a the White House allegedly or reportedly, I should say either one, says that he's under consideration for that. That is not a good idea. Do, do, do they really need to be told this? I mean, I'm not going to say everything the administration does is, is a function of the media's false narrative. You don't take a guy that barely avoided felony charges for intentionally, repeatedly mishandling classified because of a mistress when he's CIA director and bring him in as national security advisor. There are lots of people who can do that job. We don't have to bring a guy who would actually have to tell his probation officer about this into the fray. What is going on there? Uh, I, that's a great point. That actually worries me. The, the fact that he's even, even in consideration worries me so much more than all the uh, kerfuffle over Flynn. I mean, ha, how you can run a campaign for a year smacking Hillary um, for illegally and lawlessly and carelessly and negligently handling classified information and then hire a guy who is still on probation for mishandling classified information to be your top national security advisor – uh, I'm I'm kind of speechless. I, I don't know what is happening inside that uh, bubble that makes people think that's a good idea. You know, he may be a brilliant guy. Um, he he had a very impressive career in the military, but he, no, you you can't give him that job based on what he did. Yeah, you just I, can't do. I'm it. totally with you. You, you can't give him. The only way this gets worse for the Trump administration is if they put Petraeus in the national security advisor role. Then, the, then this is not improved. Sean Davis is the co-founder of The Federalist. Go to thefederalist.com. Sean, our buddy, thank you very much for spending some extra time with us. We appreciate it. Oh, all right, Sean, thank you. Team, we'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Buck Sexton Show. Uh, team, we've got our friend Carl Higby on the line. He's a former Navy SEAL and was a spokesman for Great America PAC. He also is a Fox News and CNN commentator. But, Carl, uh, we're going to also go right to the press conference and have her react. Let's pick it up. It's in progress. Go. About issues that were important, whether it's that or the 30 other countries that he spoke to. That was part of his job, as has been noted by many people. That's what the National Security Advisor and, frankly, other positions do. They begin the process of preparing their incoming job by talking to counterparts, people who have previously held the job, et cetera. If he had not done that, there would be questions as to whether he's properly prepared on day one. Conversation about no, he, the, the, the issue isn't whether or not what he discussed. There's been a complete legal review of that, and there's no issue with that. The issue is whether or not he failed to properly inform the vice president or not be honest with him or not remember it. But that's the plain and simple issue. And when he lost trust with the president, that's when the president asked for and received his resignation. Uh, yesterday, Kellyanne Conway, the counsel to the president, uh, said that the president continued to have trust in General Flynn. Right. What happened between yesterday morning and yesterday evening that led the president to lose confidence in General Flynn? Well, I'm not going to get into the specifics of what where the president's thinking was, but I will just say, as I noted in the opening statement, that it was an evolving and eroding process. And so, at the end of the day, the president made a decision, as he does on all subjects, and and asked for and received the national security advisors. Um, but he is one of those people that we've noted before, when he's ready to make a decision, he makes it, whether it's hiring somebody 
or asking for someone's resignation. Once he is determined uh, that he has made a decision on any subject, that's when he informs the staff. So going into the day, it was an evolving situation. He made a determination late in the day, and he executed on it. Yeah, Alexis. All right, let's get to, let's get Carl in here for 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 a bit. Carl, uh, you you I'm sure have been watching all this very closely. I know you um, are are tied in and, and know people involved in in the administration. What happened here with Flynn? I mean, give us, you know, you're somebody who supports Donald Trump as much as anyone I know. What happened? Well, you know, and it is a real tragedy what happened to General Flynn, because I think he's, he's a victim of this onslaught of being, you know, the Trump campaign in the crosshairs. And to be honest, like you can see there's a there's a very large internal rift right now between the establishment politicos and the Trump loyalists and people who believe in Donald Trump are being undermined by people that believe in a political system in D.C. And I think Flynn is the first victim of that. Now, the the statements made by Spicer, and including before before you came on and joined us here, include that this is only about trust within the administration's inner circle. It's not about any legal issues or legal jeopardy for Flynn. That was my impression before they went on air and said that. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you, at that level, I mean, it, it's it's maybe unfair that Flynn was put in this position, and I think it is unfair, legally speaking, because there were illegal leaks to the press in order to get us to this point, but that's the way the game is played in D.C., and I think that's what you're alluding to with the D.C. machinery. That all said, it can be put at Flynn's feet that he wasn't honest with the vice president if, in fact, that's what happened, and that's what the White House is saying, right? He does have to own that. Yes, and, and you know, like as much of a defender as, as I am of Flynn and I, you know, I generally believe him. I trust him. But this, that, is the, that is the number one issue. And whether he intentionally misled or unintentionally, it is, it, it is a major issue. Okay, so you, you buy into the, that it was a trust issue. Uh, you know this administration well. Uh, you know people that are in the national security side of it uh, making decisions. Your name, as you know, has been floated out there as a possible replacement for Spicer. I know you've said that that's not, but that's what people are saying. Uh, or that's what has been said recently. So where where do they go from here? Uh, do you think that they dust themselves off and and, and march on, re- replace the national security advisor, and you know next week we're back on the agenda? What happens? Well, I tell you, this is this is another undermining of the administration. The, the, the leak for me taking Spicer's job was unbeknownst to me until the reporter called me. So this the reporter who called me actually knew far more than I did, but she also knew about internal conversations that have been just simply conversations that, you know, I, I thought were, were completely private. So you know, this, this is, again, the undermining. Now, if, if I was Donald Trump, if I was advising Donald Trump, you know, he's lost Flynn. Flynn is, is a, a good American patriot, 30-year-plus military service. I would use this opportunity to hit the reset button. Get rid of the people who are undermining your agenda. Keep the people who are going to be loyal and believe in your agenda. People who genuinely believe can defend it and execute it far better. And, you know, the left is going crazy. Oh, you know, loyal to Trump over the Constitution? No. Trump is loyal to the Constitution. So be therefore loyal to Trump will embrace the Constitution. This is a chance where he can really make some big changes and get this thing on the right direction. He's also dealing with, you know, almost record lows of people confirmed at this point in his presidency. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the obstructionism from the Democrats is funny because for years when the Republicans were in the were in the well were in the minority except in the House, we heard constantly about how there was obstruction and Obama used that as a justification for the expansion of his executive powers into places where the courts had to rightfully, as opposed to what we've seen recently, 
smack down some of his actions. Uh, I, I just wonder now, you know, okay, so we, we understand that uh, that this is a, a continuing issue, but what is how does the Trump team come back from this? I and mean, what's the next? What are the next moves? I mean, the next moves are, have got to be strong, decisive action on the issues that are most pressing. I mean, like you have North Korea, you have Iran coming up. You have, I mean, you have a lot of these issues. One thing that the left is hammering too is this notion that we have some sort of relationship with Russia. Why is it bad to have a relationship with Russia? I, I, I really can't understand it. Like, if, if, it's, if it's detrimental to the United States, I understand why it's bad. But if it's a relationship with Russia for the betterment of both nations, why is that a bad thing? Uh, I, I think that you, you have to have a relationship. Russia is not North Korea. You, you can't just have an international coalition to box it in and treat it like right. it's not a nation state. That's never going to work. That's not a good idea. It's not going to happen. So I, I, I don't really know what, and especially after eight years of an Obama administration that was so pliant in its dealings with any number of foreign entities, uh, why is it that now all of a sudden we're supposed to be hawkish like we're back in the middle of the Cold War and, and Russia's moving nukes to Cuba? I mean, that's, or the Soviets are moving nukes to Cuba. That's yeah. the way that this is talked about now from Democrats who for eight years were like, well, you know, sanctions, maybe multilateralism, open hand. Obama will have more flexibility after the election. It just seems very disingenuous to me. I mean, incredibly. And, and considering that Obama was praised when running against Romney about when he said, hey, Romney, the, the, uh, the Cold War called, they want their foreign policy back. And it's like, you know, this is completely a flip flop from what it was now. Like, I advocate for a relationship with Russia just on our terms, not on their terms. Not only to help them, but on our terms. Now, Donald Trump needs – if he wants to start changing this narrative now, he can do some big stuff. He can start making a con- – I mean, they've drawn the line on the, uh, on the North Korean – on the, on the, on the miss- recent missile launch. They've drawn the line on a lot of things. They need to start acting on it. The next time North Korea launches a missile, shoot it down. That'll change the news cycle. What do you think about the possible replacements for Flynn? Uh, you – Former Navy SEAL, you know the national security side of this, and you know some of the people, or at least I assume, have, have served in a capacity where you've heard of and have friends who have a professional familiarity with some of those, including Petraeus, who are up for possibly replacing Flynn. Do you have a pick in mind? Or where are you on all that? Uh, you know, I, I, I like Kellogg. Uh, I, I've dealt with him on a very small level. Um, I trust him. I, you know, from what I know of him, he is a very honorable guy. He's got the, the military background to back it up. And, the, you know, I know Petraeus' name is floated out there. You think there was controversy and crosshairs on Flynn? Jesus, I mean. Uh, yeah, you know, Petraeus is a terrible, it's a terrible idea. I keep, I'm like, why do people keep saying yeah. this? And they say, oh, his honorable service. I'm like, look, I, I get that, but it's a terrible idea. Yeah, exactly. He had a, a ton of honorable service, but he did have a, a glitch in classified handling. I mean, like, this would be an, another, another nightmare. So he needs to get off the, uh, off the deck. I know there's a, a fellow SEAL up for it. I don't know a lot about him. I do know that he is a fairly straight shooter from what I understand. So, I mean, but I, I do know that Kellogg has been there, and he's been there for, you know, throughout a duration of, of what's been going on. I think, I mean, keep him in there, get the machine going with him at the helm. Do you think that the White House is, is rattled right now? There's so many stories, and, you know, it, it's, it's hard because you, you read enough news stories about how the White House is in disarray and the team is, there's infighting and there's faction, uh, factions fighting each other and there's all this stuff going on. You know, you read enough of that, Carl, and it starts to seep into your perception. Because, look, I'm up here in New York City. I'm not at the White House. 
I'm not in the, the the press pool covering the West Wing, and so all I can do is base my analysis and assessments of what's going on on people like you I know who have connections into the administration and people that I know who are working in the government to some extent, but also a lot of these reports. You read them, and you be, it begins to color your thinking. What do you make of all this? The, the White House is, is in the midst of a... Uh, of a of a catastrophe. I mean, the White House is they they can't get anything going straight. The communication's terrible, and everyone's really freaked out, especially the NSC. Yeah, yeah I mean, the thing is, that we got we we got to start. We got to send a clear message to the media right now, too. Media, if you put single handed pressure like they did on Flynn and things like this, do not get accustomed to this. Do not think that the administration is going to just keep buckling and firing and removing people. Absolutely not. And what I think they need to understand very clearly is. Flynn stepped down because he felt that he was more of a distraction than an, uh, than an addition. So he stepped down. He, like a true military hero, he fell on his sword. All right. He said, I'm, I'm going to take this one on the chin. I'm going to step down. I made a mistake and, and let them let the train move on. And there's a problem is there's a lot of politicos in the administration right now. that are going to put their career in front of this country. And those are the people we got to weed out. How do we do that? I mean, people have pointed out, and I've been saying, too, that the bureaucratic deep state is infiltrated with progressive partisans who do put a political agenda above their uh, above their mission. I mean, above what they're supposed to do at their home agency or wherever they are in the government, above justice at their DOJ. But is it really possible to root them out? I, I, I wonder. Yeah, you know, I had an interesting conversation this morning where someone said that, you know, Trump is, is fighting a conventional system and he needs to just get on board and work with it. And I said, no, this is what the people voted against. They voted against the conventional system because it's failed. And the problem is not Trump not getting along with the conventional system. It's the conventional system not getting along with Trump because the American people electorally overwhelmingly put him in office to change the system. And, and the, the, the bureaucrats that have not yet been weeded out, because we, we call them weebies, we be here when you come, we be here when you go, which are just the bureaucrats that sit there and collect a paycheck and perpetuate their own existence in government, are just slow rolling and undermining this at every chance they get. Carl Higby is a former Navy SEAL and uh, Fox News and CNN commentator. Uh, Carl, anywhere you want to direct people to go for either your writings or things you're up to? Uh, all I can say is just get out there and support uh, support my man, Donald Trump. The conventional media perception right now is not how it's actually going. All right, Carl Higby, thank you for your service, sir. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Buck. And team, we'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Oh my! Do we? Uh, I guess. Do we still have the uh, the press conference going on? We will just pick it up for a second. It's it's rowdy down there. I've been watching it in the breaks too. It's it's feisty. Do we have it, Shimon? Um. Yeah. Put it up for a sec. Killer. He said, "Well, you know, America is, hasn't been that much better in this I, regard." I think it's also. To me, it seems, and I think to a lot of Americans, it seems that this president has not been tough on Russia. How can you say that? Because I, I, I just walked through. I think there's a difference between the president wanting to have and an understanding of how a, a good relationship with Russia can help us defeat ISIS and terrorism throughout the world. Look, the Obama administration tried to have a reset with Russia. They failed. They tried to tell Russia not to invade Crimea. They failed. 
This president understands that it's in America's national and economic interests to have a healthy relationship. If he has a great relationship with Putin and Russia, great. If he doesn't, then he'll continue on. But he's not going to just assume that because it wasn't able to happen in the past. I think you've seen with Prime Minister Abe in particular and others that the, the reset that President Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu has talked about tomorrow, so many of these countries from around the globe are looking forward to resetting the relationships that this country has with them, that they feel as though that they were abandoned over the last eight years, and that they are excited about the prospect of a new U.S. relationship under a Trump administration. So, but with respect to Russia, I think the, the, the comments that Ambassador Haley made at the U.N. were extremely forceful and very clear that until they leave Haley, not I, the president. She speaks for the president. I speak for the president. All of us in this administration, and so all of the actions and all of the words in this administration are behalf and at the direction of this president. So I don't think we could be any clearer um, on the president's quick, commitment. Quick, Katie Pavlich. Just a quick little follow-up, because yeah. I can Hold I haven't any follow-ups, but uh, really? or questions in a while, but anyway. Uh, no, uh, the other question is, uh, just getting back to uh, what uh, was asked a few moments ago about trust and being misled. Are you saying that the National Security Advisor was intentionally misleading the president, the vice president, yourself, when he made these comments to no, I, you look, I, 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 The trust is, is given by the president. It's a relationship between he and, and any individual. Um, and so, as I mentioned in the comments, maybe it was because, I don't know that it was intentional, he may have just forgotten, but I think at some point, trust that's isn't that's just a, a trust. Forget, though, no, no, a conversation no, I, but that's the point, something. Jim, is that at some point that trust eroded um, to a point where the president did not feel comfortable uh, with him serving in that position and asked for and received his resignation. Katie Pavlich. On, on the trust issue and eroding of trust, last night in uh, General Flynn's resignation letter, Katie Pavlich getting a question. Hey, Katie. The Vice President-elect and others with incomplete information. Right. Considering his role in advising the President on national security matters, is the White House concerned that he may be briefed the President-elect, Vice President-elect with incomplete information on other matters of national security in addition to his phone calls with the Russian ambassador? When you look at the team, um, it's not one person in isolation, Katie. It's several. You've got you know, General Kelly on the Homeland Security front, General Mattis on the DOD front. Uh, he's got an entire team. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, we got to cut it there. There's a lot of stuff I didn't get to today on the show. I'm sorry. Tonight, 6 to 9 Eastern, AmericanHourRadio.com. We're going to talk immigration, about uh, another executive order, court decision. I got a ton of stuff. So all the spillover will go up into tonight. Go to AmericanOutRadio.com, and I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, my friends, or until tonight, Shields High. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.